0: Holy cow, you guys, this episode's topic has been a long time in the making. We are going to go all in on the hot topic right now science of reading. And we're going to nail down exactly what this means for us as middle school ELA teachers. Because I'm sure the majority of things that you've seen have been for elementary or upper elementary. How does this apply to middle school? So it is super important for us to stay up to date with policies and education, and we are doing our absolute best in this discussion to bring to light everything that you need to know right now. All right, let's dive in. Hi there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. This has been a long time coming. We are officially going to be talking about the science of reading in your middle school ELA classroom. So Megan is here. Jessica is here. This has been, you know, top of mind for a while. We alluded to this last week on the podcast that it can feel kind of heavy and like, oh, the science of reading, we were seeing it everywhere. What does it actually even mean? Um, But the more that we dove into it, we're like, huh, okay, no big deal. Like, let's share this information with our middle school English teachers. So I want to start with, you know, just the phrase of science of reading is being used a lot, like a lot. I feel like it's one of those um what's the word? It's a blank word, a blank buzzword. Buzzword. buzzword word. You, yes. Yep. Yeah, it's like a buzz phrase, a buzzword if you will right now, especially like Back to school teacher trainings, Facebook forums, we're seeing an educational newsletters from the NCTE, right? All of the different places that we are consuming content from, people that we follow on social media, it's very much deeply embedded into the educational landscape right now. And we're finding what's interesting, especially I feel like as middle school ELA teachers, we're still left with a lot of questions that we have about this, or we wish that we had like a deeper understanding of what exactly does this mean? And what exactly does this mean for me as a middle school teacher, right? So much of what we're seeing is for the lower grades, elementary, through the lens of phonics and things like that. And you're like, well, but I teach like Othello. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I don't understand the, how that transcends into this, right? So I want to give you some examples of messages that we've gotten about the science of reading, because maybe this will resonate with you and what you're struggling with too. So one of our teachers sent us a message and said, I'm very interested in the science of reading and scaffolding for struggling readers, right? I teach sheltered ELA for multilingual learners. Perhaps that's you, right? As a middle school English teacher, you're in this situation where science of reading is going to be really helpful for you. Um, Another thing that we got, another message was, I'd love to hear more about the science of reading and how to apply this info to our middle school classes. I got some training about this from my school district, but it was clearly intended for elementary teachers. This is probably the majority of you, especially Mm -hmm. as middle school teachers, Um, or I didn't get much training if any, about this in college, right? So I'm trying to make up for lost time. And how many of us have like lost extra time to go do the research and understand science of reading as teachers, right? That's why we're here to bring that to you. We've done all the research and gathered data and are gonna share it with you on podcast. podcast. Um, and some people like talk about the other end of the spectrum, right? Of People take the science of reading way too far. Right. What about the joy of reading? So we're getting questions like that too, um, or uh, resistance to the science of reading. And so we want to do today is kind of take out the um what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, not elusiveness, but like the mystery. Mystery I mean, yeah. and the yes. science of reading in middle school ELA. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Co-host the coffee. It's on our like fourth cup of coffee. It's six thirty and in the well, it's 8 Right. That's what so, I do. We yeah. are all in different time zones as we, we talk are about. All we are are time zones. Interesting. Yeah. A little yes. fun fact
1: for you all. <laughs> um, so like Caitlin said, we want to take away some of the mystery, some of the ambiguity behind the science of reading. And I think that last point about like, well, what about the joy of reading is really interesting because just because we're talking about the science of reading doesn't mean we're getting rid of the fun and the joy. And so hopefully we'll share some ideas with you where you're like, okay, this makes more sense to me and like it's ap- applicable to my classroom. So I want to give like a very basic overview so we can all be on the same page before we share like what this might mean for your middle school ELA classroom. So said in like really basic terms, the science of reading just means using teaching methods that have been proven to work through scientific research. So it's not like it's just one study or one like magical way of teaching that's going to fix everything. Instead, these methods come from many years of research on what works best for teaching kids to read. Because we know over the years, like I'm sure it was very different when we were in school versus what our children are being taught for how to read, or like what the focus in. There's always these changes. So this is like a compilation of what works best. And that's that's a beautiful thing, right? So even though the ideas behind the science of reading, they're not new, but more and more people are starting to realize like how important it truly is that we understand like the best ways to teach kids how to read. And what studies have uncovered is that effective reading instruction should include the following pillars. So what I'm doing do, I'm going to share the pillars with you, and then we're going to break them down for you and what it looks like in your classroom. So these pillars are phonemic awareness, phonics. Fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. And of course, like just like in anything, right? We can't just focus on only one or two things and then expect to see results. We need to be focusing on all of those in the middle grades. But what typically happens in sixth, seventh, eighth grade is we focus on vocabulary and comprehension, Mm -hmm. right? It just logically makes the most sense. And of course, yes, we need to do that. But it doesn't mean we can just completely say, okay, phonics is not a thing. It's probably not a thing, you know, for 20 minutes every day, but it doesn't mean we can't address it in middle school still. So I think when we think about it in through that lens, all right, there's five pillars. How am I going to incorporate them into my classroom? Okay, that's how I'm going to best support my students. So Megan's going to start off just kind of giving you some ideas of how you can take these pillars and apply them in your classroom.
0: Before yeah, me, I'm sorry, Megan, Go I'm going Go to It's really interesting actually having this conversation right now, because my son is in kindergarten and he is literally learning how to read right now. And so all of these things that we're going to talk about, like I'm watching them in action for a six-year-old who actually is truly learning how to read for the first time. Whereas coming from the high school English teacher perspective and middle school English perspective for years, I was like, well, it's not my responsibility to teach a kid how to read. I don't know how to teach a kid how to read. I just know how to teach a kid how to think critically, right? How to have conversations, how to write well, right? Totally different skill set. But that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of situations, I went and observed um, Kathy Waddell, one of our local mm-hmm. English teachers in the Bay Area, and a lot of her students did not know how to read. Mm-hmm. so she's teaching eighth grade but they don't know how to read, right? So again, there's so much at play there in, in, a, in a larger discussion that could be had later. But, and as an eighth grade English teacher, I need to be equipped with this knowledge and with these skills to be able to support my students um, so that I can be as an effective teacher as I possibly can be. And I love, Jessica, just the simplicity of it, of it's literally about what works best for teaching kids how to read. If you and that's what we all want. Read, right. Ask, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 100%. yeah. And I think if you
2: think about it as like the foundations of reading that it, it, it becomes less mysterious. Right. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Caitlin, I mean, you know, I taught eighth grade as well just recently and. There, there are some students that struggled. So having these, this knowledge is gonna help our middle school ELA, ELA yeah. teachers. Um, so the first pillar is phonemic awareness. And this basically involves teaching students that words are made up of sounds and then showing them how to play with and change those sounds, right? So, so what can this, what can middle school ELA teachers like you do to help increase your students' uh, phonemic awareness? You can actually help students learn to identify and then play around with sounds inside of words. So you start with the bigger parts like syllables, and then you can focus down onto the individual sounds or what we call the phonemes, right? So students need to be show, shown how these phonemes then connect to specific letters. And this way they can better understand and
1: decode words when they're reading, right? Can I so add far- on that, Megan? Please. Please. Yeah, yeah syllables. I'm just thinking like, again, we think, oh, that's kindergarten. Let's count our syllables. And you know, you tap your shoulder and I don't know, my four-year-old is literally...
0: That's what Will is doing right now with unknown yeah. words or exactly. fingers
1: yeah. Yeah. or the clapping, all of it. Why can't we do that with our older students, right? Mm-hmm. That takes a minute of your time. You go to vocabulary instruction. You've got a hard word or a long word or whatever it is. Break it down with the syllables. Make it silly. Make it fun. Whatever it is, that's like I said, takes a minute of your time, but you're getting students in the habit of recognizing that, mm-hmm. having that phonemic awareness. So yeah. So- And I think some of those
2: engaging strategies that we use in elementary school, sometimes we forget when we're teaching middle school, but it's engagement, right? So great point. Great point. Um, So the next pillar is phonics, which we've all heard of, right? So this is teaching about, this is about teaching the link between letters and sounds in a very clear and organized way. So you teach students the sounds of letters and how they fit together to make words in a clear, organized way. And then that helps them practice by reading and writing words and when they create their own sentences, right? The next pillar is fluency instruction. So this focuses on helping students read smoothly, accurately, and then expressively as well. So give students plenty of opportunities in your classroom to read aloud and practice reading connected text. And that's gonna include sentences, paragraphs, passages. Emphasize developing both the ability to recognize words quickly, but also read smoothly. And then you also want to focus on that clear expression piece. And of course, make sure to keep the core of the goal that students understand the text that they're reading, right? That comprehension piece.
0: So I did this recently with Will, actually. They started sending home um, uh, like leveled books. Mm -hmm. for them. And the first book they sent home, I was like, there's no way he's going to be able to read this. You know, like he only knows sight words is Mm -hmm. kind of where he's in kindergarten. Granted also, like I have a whole belief about that too. I'm like, let them play. But I, I (laughs) I kept my kid back. So he's one of the oldest in the class. So he's six, right. I gave him an extra year of preschool uh, because he just emotionally was not ready for, for kindergarten. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. We could talk about red shirting your kindergartner. I listened to a great episode actually on cult of Pedag- pedagogy with Jen Gonzalez about that. And that was, she was the reason that I decided to actually redshirt shirt and keep him back a year. But anyways, he brought this book home and sh- the teacher sent us an email saying, you're going to read it three times and each time for a different purpose. And the third time was to read for fluency. And so I told Will, I said, we're going to read it three times. The first time is just to like understand the words, that phonemic awareness, right? Those things that we had just talked about. The second time was, um, for comprehension, like what is he reading about? So we would stop and I would ask him every so often, what, what, what did you just read? Like literally every two sentences or whatever. And then the third read was for fluency. And so I told him that I said, we're reading for fluency now. He's like, well, what's that mean? I was like, Well, it's your ability to read the text in an engaging way, right? The way that it's supposed to be with like clear expression, all that stuff. So like with exclamation marks and question marks, it's really cool to watch like the read happen three times Mm. through three different lenses and intentions and purposes, right? So like, even with our eighth graders, we do this with poetry all the time, right? Why is it any different than if we were reading prose or like a certain part of a text or a short story or whatever it might be? Um, You know, we don't do that that often with any other type of text in middle school other than with poetry. So it might be interesting to let your students know like, hey, this chapter, this section of this text, this short story, we're going to read it once just to read it, just absorb the words, no other purpose or intention behind it. The second time we're going to read it for comprehension. The third time I'm going to put you in groups and you're going to read it for fluency, right? Or whatever it might be. I think it's, I just, anyways, I think it's cool. It's really interesting to watch.
1: And I want to share a tip of like, how can you take that, right? That concept and apply it into middle school. And so my niece summer, she's in first grade. So she's like, she can read the basics, right? But what I did with her over Thanksgiving break, which I think would be so much fun in middle school is my mom, we were staying with my mom and she had a bunch of picture books there. And so she had, um, llama, llama, red pajama. We all know that one. Right. (laughs) And then she had Going on a bear hunt. Do you guys know that one? Like, we're oh, yeah. We're going to catch a big one, right? It's so much fun. Well, my niece Summer is like dramatic and just full of expression. And so I did the same steps Caitlin just said, right? Like, we did the read through. She went, Auntie Jessie, read to me. I read it to her. We talk about it. And then it was Summer's term. Summer got into it, right? Like, she is llama, <laughs> llama, red pajama, no more drama, mama, all of that. But she's reading with fluency. She's reading with expression. If you take, Little children's books like those two. And there's, I mean, so many others out there. Have your students read them. Put them in groups. Have them perform it. Do a choral read where you all read it. It's silly. It's fun. It's engaging. And they're practicing fluency. That will pay off when you then go to read more complex texts. And it's so much fun. So I just think little engaging activity for your students.
0: I love it. Idea. You just gave me an Instagram post idea that we're going to share oh. on social media. <laughs> well, look
1: at that. <laughs> She's literally writing it down right now. Love it. Um, while Caitlin's doing that, I'm going to share another idea. So vocabulary. We mentioned like, this is kind of a natural focus in middle school that we can um, work on with our students, right? And students grow their vocabulary through explicit teaching. We need to literally show them This is how you say the word. This is what the word means, the definition. Then we get to have discussions about the word. We get to apply it. We get to notice it in our reading. We have to create this language-rich environment or vocabulary just becomes a whole list of words that students memorize. And it's like, what's the purpose of it? We want them using it. So when you are intentional about building in class time for strong, like language-filled talks, that's when vocabulary increases for students. When you read stories out loud, take time to talk about the tricky words. Like I do that with my own kids. I'm reading the Westing game to them right now. Like my own children at home. Davey is in second grade. Granted, Davey is a very perceptive kid. Like he's figuring things out in that novel and Jameson's <laughs> like, huh? And I'm like, oh my God, Davey like to solve the mystery, but. There's a lot of tricky words in that book. And probably every paragraph I'm stopping and I'm saying, hey, let's talk about what this word means. And I'm sure my kids are getting annoyed with me, but we are building their vocabulary and you better believe I've heard them use a few of those words. And I just think that's so cool. We also want to take time with vocabulary to make sure our students understand the words themselves. So here we're talking about like morphemes, which are the smallest units of meaning in language. So taking a word, like a longer word, incoming, breaking it down, "in." what does each part of that word mean? How does it contribute to the overall use of the word? We might not do that for every single you know, vocabulary word, but if we can make it a routine, make it a habit, it's really going to help students out. And actually on next week's episode where I'm talking all about my experience of going to the Ron Clark Academy, I got to see this one teacher, Megan knows who it is, Corey Collins. I'll talk more about him next week. Like, holy cow, such an amazing teacher. And his whole thing is vocabulary instruction. So I'm going to share even more ideas next week where you can be like, okay, I'm going to write this game down. I want to do it with my students because it was pretty cool.
0: Awesome. And then the last part that we're going to talk about and just kind of round out the episode is with comprehension. So the emphasis here with comprehension is on teaching students how to understand and like make sense of what they read. So there are key tools for developing comprehension skills, and that includes we want to read engaging texts with our students. Oh, my God. I can't comprehend something that I don't care about. I'm like, I don't, you know, some of these (laughs) like instruction manuals for technology. Uh I'm like, huh, Daryl, you yeah. do it. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> what, what does this mean? Or like, even just, I remember watching some of my kids practice on IXL, some of the passages on that or yeah. um, AR accelerated reader tests. And I'm I'm reading it. My eyes are glazed over. I'm like, I'm not comprehending anything because I don't care right. about gardening or whatever it is. Right. So I think it's important that we have different types of engaging texts for our students to practice with this, right? If you give my son a book about sports, he's gonna be super engaged in what you're reading. If I start to read him Harry Potter, he could care less about that, right? Because it's not of interest to him. So it's gonna be harder for him to follow along and comprehend what he's reading, right? So to practice this, we really wanna make sure that we have a variety of engaging texts for our students to read. Um, We also wanna practice metacognition or knowing what strategies work best for you to problem solve and supporting that building of knowledge for our students. So one of the things that you can do as a teacher, is really start to embrace reading aloud to your students. No matter if you're teaching sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, even when I taught high school, I read aloud to my students. Even in my master's program at LMU, one of our instructors, every single class period, started with a read aloud of a um, children's book to us every single time. Um, and so it's like doing that, we are allowing our students to have this like direct instruction around practicing these opportunities of using metacognitive skills. They're planning out their purpose for reading a text. We can monitor the meeting. We can stop. We can ask questions. We can evaluate whether these strategies are working with our students. Students can reflect on their newfound knowledge of whatever it is that you just read. And then we can adapt what students are doing to better understand the text and problem solve, right? And so I just think about when I taught eighth grade, I actually read aloud the entire text night to my students because of the heaviness of the content that we were reading. And so I wanted to be able to stop and talk and stop and ask questions and stop and and make sure that students were understanding what they were reading or even emotionally, if anything came up for them. So for them to have the privilege of listening to me read this entire text Was not a waste of time. And in fact, we just kind of threw away any activities, quote unquote, that we were going to do with that because simply reading and discussing the text as a class together at the same time, I felt was hugely impactful for them versus doing some sort of activity that wasn't going to hold the same weight for them in that regard. And so, for the comprehension aspect of that, like that was huge, you know? Um, So comprehension also can be increased when we do multiple reads of the same text. So like what I was just talking about, Will was doing with his read, uh, whatever leveled reading book that he brings home. So you could do a teacher read aloud. You could do partner work. You could do independent reading. Um, You yourself could read the text three times to your students if you wanted to. Um, You could have a student read, then you could read. Um, And I don't think that there's, I don't think that's a waste of class time at all. And in fact, when I went and observed some of these classes, when I had the privilege of going into our EB teacher's classrooms, it was abundantly clear to me that the majority of students were not getting the majority of what they were being taught. (laughs) Like abundantly clear. Megan, you want to say something?
2: Yeah, I don't think it can be overemphasized, like the value of students hearing good reading. Yeah and i when i when i started teaching 8th grade english i the principal at the time had been an english teacher for like 30 years and that was the first thing she told me she was like don't think for a minute that just because these kids are in middle school that they don't need to hear you read aloud yeah. i think that's really important because when you're hearing good reading it starts to be ingrained in you and that fluency piece comes and that comprehension piece comes um so i yeah i just love that and i Anytime I taught a short story, I, that was the first way we read it was an auditory version, whether it was me or I'd find it on YouTube, you know, I think that's so important
0: for middle school teachers to hear. So, yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, when we'll at night with Will every single night, we'll read, I will read aloud to him like a chapter book. We're reading like the Hardy Boys or whatever. He's super into any mystery or sports related thing like he's super into. And I'll read to him for like half an hour. I'll read two or three chapters of this book to him and I believe we've been doing that for, for with him for since he was like three or four or something for a long time. And I believe that's why a huge part is why he's not struggling with reading in school. Yep. Like totally.
1: it's a Teachers non-issue. Teachers always say that too. They yeah. notice it. They're like, clearly this child gets read to at home yeah. or it like it's
0: important in your family, right. right? Like but that's the exception. That's not the rule. Yeah. And so when you think about our students who come to us in middle oh. school. They're 11, 12, 13, 14, and they maybe don't have the privilege mm-hmm. of an adult reading to them at home at all, ever in the history of their life. Right. The only time they're being exposed to this is with us. I don't think there's a greater use of our class time than reading. I always told my students, I don't, I never gave homework, very rarely gave homework to my students. And I said, the only thing I want you to do is read because yeah. every single sentence that you read makes you that much smarter. Yeah.
1: That's it. And- I want to share one more idea because something, of course, like it's not going to be the case that, that every child gets read to at home. But something you can share, maybe even with your family's teachers, if you're listening to this, is um, the website Storyline Online. It, mm-hmm. I use it with my own kids. It's fantastic. It's celebrities reading stories, and they're picture books, but they're fun ones. It's great, you know. It's like Megan said, find an audio version. Well, here's an audio version and like video, right? And it's so much fun, and you get to hear a great reading. So Storyline Online, wow. check it out.
0: I love it. So we that was a very basic introductory overview of the science of reading. And next week, like Jessica mentioned, we're going to share some easy to implement classroom activities that you can do that align specifically with the vocabulary pillar that we talked about um, through the lens of Jessica's visit to the Ron Clark Academy. So we are super excited to share that with you guys. Um, and if you want more, like let's say you want an episode just on science of reading comprehension, or you're looking for maybe phonemic awareness in middle school, like what, how do... I mean, think about. Okay, sorry, total tangent. I know <laughs> we're supposed to be wrapping up the episode, um, but I think about when I first came down and taught middle school. I had to teach grammar for the first time because I didn't teach grammar when I at, at like the level that I needed to when I was in teaching high school, and I had to relearn everything in order to be able. I'm like, what? What is a direct object again? Like, what are indirect objects? Right? a <laughs> Yeah, what's a gerund? Even still, sometimes I'm like, wait, what's a gerund again? <laughs> Um, but I am thinking about like phonemic awareness and phonics, like that's not what we teach necessarily in middle school. So we want to be able to provide you with research based practices and things like that on podcasts. podcast. So if that is something that you're interested in, let us know over on our Instagram at EB academics so that we have an idea of what's landing for you, what what resonates with you and kind of what you're needing more of so that we can support you in that capacity. So thank you guys so much for joining us about the science of reading. Hopefully we made it a little less mysterious and scary for you and more approachable as a middle school ELA teacher. And next week, definitely make sure that you join us. Jessica's going to share some great takeaways that align to what we just talked about that have to do with her visit to the Ron Clark Academy. And I cannot freaking wait. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye everybody.